Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. Hey, we're here today with David and Stephen Arms, and we're talking about a very specific ritual that David hosted for all of the boys in his family when they turned 13 years old. It's a rite of passage ceremony to welcome boys in the family to being an adult. And the women in their family also lead a similar ceremony for girls when they turn 13. We're going to talk about why they do this ceremony in their family, and we'll talk about exactly how you could do something similar in your own family. Let's talk about the book David and Stephen wrote called Milestone to Manhood. Welcome to Talking to Teens. Thanks for coming on the show. Super excited. We got David and Stephen Arms on the show talking about the book that you guys wrote together, Milestone to Manhood. And I love how you guys switch off with the writing and we get the whole section from the Rite of Passage written by Stephen. Can you just walk us through a little bit? Where did this come from? The book is about something that you guys have been doing in your family. And I'm curious what inspired you to write it into a book and where did the idea for this whole thing come from in the first place? It's a weekend that a father can organize for his 13-year-old son. And the idea is to bestow the title of man on him. Um, The weekend involves not only the father, but other male role models, typically maybe his grandfather or father's uncles, older brothers, older cousins, anyone who has achieved the age of 13 and been through a rite of passage weekend. It all got started uh, because my father-in-law organized a rite of passage for my first son when he was about 12 years old to celebrate on his 13th birthday. So in the book, we write about our family story and how the weekend kind of changed our son's trajectory. So rite of passage is something that traditionally has existed has been something that humans did for a long time but is kind of not such a thing in our culture today it seems like the rite of passage is an event you know that happens in a uh, man's life ideally about the age of 13 and there are reasons for that that we can get into but it's an event that uh, he can look back on and say you know this was a specific moment in my life that i was recognized by my dad and other men in the family that i became a man as you touched on other cultures have had rite of passage ceremonies. Probably the best known example is the bar mitzvah, but there are others. For example, there's a, an Australian Aboriginal walkabout. But regardless of the society, the rite of passage has three elements that make it unique. The first element is separation from the tribe or from you know the family. The second element is that there's a challenge involved. And then the third element is reincorporation back into society where he comes back no longer as a boy, but now as a man. And there really isn't a good rite of passage event in Western society today, much less a Christian one. So we find that we've got men who tend to extend their adolescence into their teens and 20s. So we have a bunch of men acting like boys, and um, we just think this is a good way to help alleviate that societal problem. Yeah, and 
I think it's powerful. And it just the way that you tell this in the book, it really feels like looking back on that, it's like, yeah, that's an important point in your life. And Stephen, you wrote about how a decade later or something like this in your 20s, you were really reflecting with a, a friend uh, during his wedding or something and really it hit you just like how important this experience was for you or how unique it was. Yeah, absolutely. When I was in my early 20s, I had a friend who asked me to be the best man at his wedding. And we were new friends. So we were still kind of just getting to know each other. But one time we were hanging out and, you know, he had a lot on his mind. He was thinking about being a husband soon, potentially being a father soon. And he asked me, Steve, when was the first time that you considered yourself to be a man? And, you know, that was the first time that anyone had ever asked me that question before. And I was pretty clearly able to answer. I was like, well, when my dad and my grandpa and my uncles took me away for my 13th birthday and gave me this rite of passage weekend, <laughs> ever since then, I've just known that I, I'm a man, right? Yeah, I could tell you the exact day, actually, as a matter of fact. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was in that conversation with my friend that I realized, wow, this is like a really special thing that my family did for me. And in fact, most men these days can't look back and realize the exact moment they became a man. So in that way, I realized at that moment how lucky I was. What struck me about the whole weekend that you described, you walk us through the whole experience in the book. It's really cool to see it kind of from your perspective. What just really stood out to me is how much planning was involved in this whole thing. It's not something that you just threw together. <laughs> Dave wasn't just like, hey, yeah, let's kind of do a rite of passage this weekend and we'll go and you know see how it goes. It was really well planned out and there was other male role models involved from your life and everything. So it seemed like it was something that you've been thinking about for a long time. Yeah, definitely. There was a lot of playing involved and, you know, quite a bit of research looking at, you know, other societies, how they had handled this and, you know, elements that we wanted to put in it to make it unique to exactly what we wanted to do to make it relevant to an adolescent. We were in the Bay Area, San Francisco at the time, so it took a lot of planning. But, you know, the beautiful thing, Andy, is that now after we did each one of these, starting with my eldest son, which was, you know, we did this like 20 years ago, you know, afterwards, we would always have kind of a debriefing luncheon with our son and, you know, any of the men that were involved with that could join us. And we would just kind of, you know, interview them and say, what do you like about the weekend? Was there anything uncomfortable? What's your favorite part? And so we were continuously kind of improving the process so that we feel like each time, each and every time we did it, it was a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And now we've got this blueprint that's documented in our book and on our website. There's a lot of material that help a dad or a grandfather plan this for his son without really you know, having to reinvent the wheel. Well, yeah, there's such specific, you guys really have got it figured out. There's kind of these rituals that are really powerful moments and ceremonies. And, and, and you have kind of the whole weekend even scheduled out for how you could put those together. And it sounded like some of those came from men's groups. Some of those came from like other, other cultures that you looked at. It's like, you know, accumulating these sort of ideas from different places, but the way that they all come together and fit together in your guys's rite of passage is powerful. I was wondering how many you did before this one. Is this the, the one that you write about in the book? Is this the first time you did this or how many times had you under your belts at this point? 
This was actually the second rite of passage that our family had organized. I have an older brother who is the eldest grandchild, and then there's six of us grandchildren in the family. So in total, we did six rite of passages throughout the years. And one neat thing about the rite of passage is that once a boy goes through it, he's considered to be a man in the family now. So he's eligible to be one of those older male role models for the younger boys during their rites of passage. So my older brother was actually supposed to be on my rite of passage trip. He was actually homesick that weekend with the flu. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) But I was able to, not only did I have a rite of passage for myself when I turned 13, but I was able to attend the rites of passages for my two younger brothers and for my two younger cousins as well. Oh, wow. That's so cool. So you've seen it from all kinds of different perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. Can you guys walk me through a little bit of this? I mean, I love how it is in the book. It's like a story. We have the story of the weekend from Stephen's perspective of what we go through. Yeah, I can really just picture it all in my head. But I love the way you set it up as a surprise, Dave. You you weren't just like, hey, we're going to do a rite of passage. Here's everything that's going to happen. Here's the schedule for the weekend. It was all planned in secret. And then Stephen didn't really know what was going on at the time. Exactly. Yeah. Stephen and I just kind of left town with the intent, at least in his mind, that it was just going to be he and his dad going away for the weekend, going camping. And, you know, on the way up to our destination, we stopped for uh, lunch and lo and behold, at the restaurant, uh, seated at a table nearby are, you know, his grandfather and his uncles and kind of trying to be inconspicuous and holding menus up (laughs) over their faces so they can't be seen. So (laughs) they looked a little strange. So when Steve figured it out, it's like, okay, you know, his grandfather kind of said, okay, Steve, this is what's really happening this weekend. And, you know, all your uncles are here. A lot of them came from a long way away. They're taking time out of their weekends from their families to, to do this for you because this is how important you are to us all. And from then on, it just kind of flows. And then Steve plays an active role in all the events. He doesn't know what's coming, but he's definitely central in each event. I love the involvement of the uncles. Like it immediately makes it feel really, really special. It's like, I don't even know what's going on. I have no idea where we're going or what's going to happen. But I just know that how cool it is that they came all the way here. And obviously this is something that's like been planned. And yeah, it sets up really this suspense for the weekend. I just love the way you sort of, you set that all up at the beginning. It's really nicely orchestrated. Yeah, it's probably a little overwhelming at first glance, but it certainly leaves an impression on them. I don't think he's ever going to forget this weekend. Yeah, you got his full attention here. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, so so you meet up with them, get food there, and then head back into the car and off to a lake somewhere. That's right. And on the way up, we told Steve, you know what, Uh, normally you're in the back of the bus here (laughs) being the kid, but on this trip, you're going to be riding shotgun and um, you're going to make some decisions this weekend. So, you know, we just start treating him like like one of us, like one of the adults. So things are already changing. (laughs) This this adult thing is already setting in, I see. Exactly. Exactly. But still, you're not saying, hey, here's everything that we're going to do this weekend. It's still a lot of mystery and suspense, you know, and I I love that. It's he doesn't know what's kind of coming and uh, that's going to keep him really (laughs) on the edge of his seat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, The first thing we did is got up to the lake and took a boat over to the cabin. And then we have basically a, a series of ceremonies or rituals that we go through. The first one would be considered like the entrance ceremony where 
we'd kind of gather around him and I would read him a passage out of the book of Exodus where Moses encounters God in the form of a burning bush. So fire becomes a theme for the weekend in which Steve will start a fire inside the cabin and it'll be his responsibility to keep it burning throughout the weekend. That doesn't necessarily mean that he'll be stoking the fire all weekend, but again, now he has some new responsibilities and he's assigning the different men different shifts throughout the night to keep the fire going. Once we're in the cabin, we kind of start getting ready for our first meal together for dinner. And again, Steve's assigning who's cooking, who's cleaning up, who's setting the table, all this kind of thing. And after dinner, we get into our first indoor ritual where we just kind of go around the room, uh, each of us kind of telling them what we think it is to be a man, to be a good, virtuous man. Some of our experiences and thoughts on how we think we can help mentor him through his teenage years. And always keeping that door open that, you know, that's one of the kind of the themes, not only of the weekend, but what he can walk away with is knowing that if he's ever struggling with something that, um, you know, he can come to any one of us. Our door's always open. And, you know, there sometimes may be some dynamics going on between a dad and an adolescent or a teenager in which he may not be comfortable coming to his dad. But now he's got his grandfather he can come to, his uncles he can come to. He walks away with that knowing for the rest of his life. And actually, that did come into play for Steve a little bit later on. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So one of the kind of things that get repeated through the weekend is if there's anything that you ever want to talk to me about, this is one of the older men talking to the 13-year-old boy, to me. If there's ever a time in life where you need advice, you can come to us at any point and we love you unconditionally. We will always have your best interest at heart. Uh, and you can come to us with anything. And, you know, at the time as a 13-year-old, I heard those words, but I didn't know how that was actually going to be helpful to me in my life. And it wasn't until I would say my college years, my late teens and early 20s, that I kind of took them up on their offer. You know, in college, like a lot of people, I really started to question my faith and doubt my belief in God. And I, to be honest, I wasn't sure how my parents were going to react if I told them, I don't know if I want to go to church anymore. I don't know if I believe in God anymore. I didn't know what that would do to our relationship. So I was understandably kind of afraid to talk to them about it. But I remembered my rite of passage weekend, which was probably six or seven years previous, and how my dad and my grandfather and my uncles said, we will love you unconditionally. We will have your best interest at heart. You can come to us with anything. And so in college was really the first time that I put those words to the test. And I went to my grandfather and I kind of told him the questions that I was having. And I asked him like, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. Why do you believe in God? He was able to share, you know, he wasn't able to answer all of the questions that I had, but he was able to help me on my own faith journey. You mentioned something else earlier also in the book too, when you were talking about sexuality, there's a a conversation that you had where all of the men are sharing what sexuality means to them and their views about sex. And I thought it was really interesting to see your reaction to that, which was, well, you know, having this conversation, but also your reaction to that was, oh, wow. So all these men seem 
pretty comfortable talking about sex to each other. And I guess that's an okay thing for men to do. I thought that was really powerful just in showing, hey, yeah, yeah, you can come to me, but also just you can talk about this stuff. And there's so much about this weekend that I feel like that's kind of giving people permission so that you know that you could always come to them, but also so that you're opening the door to talk about all these other topics as well and things that maybe, you know, are difficult or awkward to talk about. And by sort of role modeling that during this weekend, you open the door to that. That's a good way of phrasing it, uh, giving permission and just kind of giving space. You know, this weekend wasn't the talk, the birds and the bees talk. My dad had already given me that maybe around, I don't know, what would you say, dad, 10 years old? I think it was 11, somewhere around there. Okay, yeah. I had previously had the birds and the bees talk with my dad, so I knew kind of the mechanics of it. But I think during this rite of passage weekend, discussing about what it means to be a man, my dad and the other men kind of left no stone unturned. They really tried to speak to almost every aspect of manhood, and sexuality is definitely one of those. So, you know, my dad gave me his perspective on sexuality and how there's basically two paths. And one says you can do anything, you know, and as long as you love the person. And then the other path says how important it is to wait for your future spouse. Yeah, and it was that conversation. As a 13-year-old, I was still nervous to talk about sex. You know, that seemed kind of like a taboo thing to talk about. And Seeing my dad talk about sex in front of my grandfather, you know, his own yeah. father-in-law, and then hearing my dad talk about sex in front of my uncles, his brother-in-laws, to me, I felt like, oh, this that's really awkward, right? Like, he's married to his daughter, you know? Like, <laughs> you can't talk about like that kind of stuff in front of grandpa, you know? Right. But hearing my dad open up about it, it was like, oh. I guess this is normal for men to have conversations about sex. And so I think for me, that kind of gave me permission. Um, it gave me the space to be able to talk about those things in the future. Yeah, I love that. And I think from the adult perspective, too, you know, it can be uncomfortable to talk to your son about that kind of thing. Yeah. And this might be a an area where dads may be intimidated about pulling this off. How do we do this? I don't don't know. I'm comfortable talking to my son about these things. But as a father, we need to kind of look and remember that this is something I'm doing for my son. I'm not doing it for myself. You know, you've got the support of the other guys that you're doing it with for the weekend. So you've already kind of worked these things out What you're going to talk about, you know, just a basic, basic outline. So, you know, not everything is going to fall on your shoulders. You're going to have every guy is going to have each other's back. And then again, you know, we have Lots of information on our website about um, about the layout of the weekend and what subjects you may talk about. And and even like, you know, the planning. Um, like you said, there's a lot of planning involved in something like this. But we've got email templates uh, like on a monthly basis. Send this email out six months before the event. And it lays out exactly what each guy should do six months out, three months out, a month out, a week out. And then after the event, you know, a thank you email to everybody. So you really got a turnkey system here going that um, I think helps take away the intimidation factor.
one of the moments in the ceremony that's really powerful is the exchange of letters. That definitely strikes me as one of those things you're, you're going to have to be sending out emails in advance and coordinating with people because you had like a folder full of letters from a bunch of different family members that, you know, people had written to him that you then passed over to him one night with advice from people that became like a something for him to keep forever. That's right. And of course, the letters now, not only are the letters from the men involved in the weekend, but anybody who's significant in his life, you know, including, you know, his mom, grandmother, aunts, whoever. We even, in Steve's case, we involved his troop master. He wrote him a nice letter. And the beautiful thing about the letters is honestly, during the weekend, there's so many things being thrown at him that not everything is, is going to stick at the time. And the letters are yeah. just kind of like this overwhelming thing, but they are something that he can come back to over and over again throughout his life to just kind of reinforce how much all these people that are important to him love him as memento. Now there's been a couple of his grandparents that have passed since his 13th birthday. So he's got these letters of love and affirmation from them that he can occasionally look back on. What do you think about spontaneity? Is it possible to do a rite of passage without so much of the preparation? Just kind of get out there and go with the flow. Maybe just you, two of you together, something a little more simple. Or do you think it needs all these moving pieces to be involved? Well, I would say that um, doing it one-on-one -on -one would be better than not doing it at all. And again, you know, if it's a little bit intimidating for someone to pull one of these off, the enemy of intimidation is preparation. So if you have the ability to pull something off where you're involving other people and you've got a planned out and you know exactly what you're going to do when, it's probably going to go a lot smoother. Take some of the burden off yourself. Yeah. Exactly. And probably be more memorable for your son. Well, that's what strikes me is that in that moment when you stop at the restaurant and the uncles are there and grandpa's there, it immediately is like, oh, this is special. This is important. Like all these people took time to come and just show up for me. There's something really powerful about that. Andy, I'd like to add, you know, the weekend and, and the rituals, like there's definitely a lot of moments of spontaneity, even though there, it is so formal and organized. There were a lot of moments, you know, while we we're like cooking dinner together as a team, I have a lot of good memories from my rite of passage of my grandfather being really silly and <laughs> just these fun moments during my rite of passage. So there's definitely still room for spontaneity in this event. Also, I think that one of the, the beautiful things about the rituals and how organized it is, is that it really keeps the group on track. So it really keeps the focus of conversation about manhood and about this boy becoming a man. And I know as a man myself, sometimes it's like, it's hard to have those deeper intimacy type conversations. You know, there's a tendency to kind of stay at the trivial level and not dig in too deep. But having the rituals keeps the group on track. And it's like, no, let's talk about these things because it's really going to help the boy as he goes into his teens and his 20s. He needs to have these conversations with his family before he goes out into the world. We're here today with David and Stephen Arms talking about how to create a powerful rite of passage ceremony for the boys and girls in your family when they turn 13. 
And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. Having that time to reflect is a big part of it, to be able to prepare and say, I'm only going to have 10 minutes to share, so what's the most important thing that I want to impart upon to this 13-year-old boy? We started seeing results of that kind of immediately, and they just kind of carried on through the teenage years and then even off to college. I mean, I remember pretty much for every one of our sons feeling that um, they were a little bit ahead of their roommates in college as far as like being able to be separated from home and like shouldering the responsibility of, you know, they already know how to do their own laundry. They already know how to clean up after themselves. It's like, it's not this overwhelming thing to be away from home. And, you know, that just seems to carry on all throughout life. The women rite of passage also had a really cool quilt sewing exercise. So before the weekend, every woman would come or prepare a square of quilt with some symbols or images on it that they would share with the group. Ah, I like that. It could be a tree or a rose. And then they would talk, share, like, why did you make this symbol and what does it mean to you? And then after every woman had shared what they put together, the group together would sew the squares into a blanket. And then the girl got to keep that blanket as a memento and something to remember the weekend by. If you don't use your words by saying, son, I just want you to know I no longer see you as a boy now, but I consider you to be a man, that if a father doesn't do that for his son, the boy is going to try to prove to himself his manhood through things like violence or video game addictions, right? Like you can literally slay a dragon in a video game. That's like all plays into that proving yourself as a man or the sexual conquest of women trying to get your manhood from by sleeping around with women. What I mean to say is that You as a parent have the responsibility to initiate your children into adulthood. And if you don't do it, they're going to try to do it themselves. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get access to all the interviews I've conducted, as well as new episodes weeks before the general public. It's completely affordable, and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.